Well, it's always so good to be with you. And it's always so good to have the privilege of being here with you for these next few moments together. Uh, over the next four weeks, with a break in, uh, in between for Father's Day, we're going to be talking about prayer. And today, uh, we're going to get into uh, uh, talking about boldness. And so I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you through a story from the book of Acts. Seems to be a popular book with us this season. But we want to take you through the book of Acts and talk about boldness and talk about the kind of prayers that we can pray that bring about boldness. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But let me pause and celebrate because uh, this past week, uh, our church, and particularly Pastor Gary and his family, my family, that's me. In case you don't know, my name is Gary. I'm the lead pastor here. You would have probably met Katie already if this is one of your first time joining us. But to this week, uh, June 1st of 2021, marks our four-year anniversary of being the pastors here at North Shore Church. And I just want to pause and tell you of how grateful I am to God and how grateful I am to you and grateful I am uh, for this opportunity to be your pastor. And God has just blessed us in, in incredible ways uh, as, as the leaders of this church, as, as spiritual leaders to this congregation and to this community. It has been, without a shadow of a doubt, the greatest privilege and honor of my life thus far. And I'm just so grateful to our, our Heavenly Father, to God, for allowing me the privilege. I'm thankful for the work of Jesus. I'm thankful for the work of the cross. And I'm thankful, especially as we talk through this series, about the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the, the gifts of the Spirit that God has enabled me to have to be your pastor. And so let me just reaffirm today that God is on the move here on the North Shore. That God has so much that he wants to accomplish through our church, through your life, through my life, as, as he's called me to be your pastor and to lead you and to shepherd you and to guide you and to teach you the things of God so that you can live out your life in a way that is honoring and pleasing to him. Uh, what an amazing honor it is to be your pastor and to help you discover the purposes and plans that God has for your life. What a, what, a, what a pleasure and honor it is to watch the Holy Spirit empower you to do the things that God has called you to do, that only he, he has for you to do. And so I'm just completely honored today. And as we read through these prayers, uh, as we're going to talk about prayers, you're going to hear my story of how we ended up here. I'll get to that in a little bit later. But we know that God has a plan. And, and Romans 8, 12, 28 tells us one of my favorite life verses that gets thrown out of context often, but there's so much, so much truth to it, is Romans 8, 28. It says, For all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, as we're going to find out by the time we get to the end of the message today, that while all things work together for good, they work together for God's good. Because sometimes following Jesus requires a sacrifice. Sometimes it requires pain. And it might even require us some suffering. So this is going to be a really good challenging message. It's going to make us feel really good today. But it's also going to open up our eyes to the possibilities and the realities of following Jesus. 
So I hope you're with me today. I hope you're with me in these next few moments because we're going to share some really exciting things about prayer and what God wants to do as you pray. And he wants you to learn how to pray. And we want to help you learn how to pray prayers that God responds to. Now, prayers don't control God. Let me just put that out there right now before we get too confused. But our prayers open our lives up to allow God to use us. They open our lives up, our hearts up, our minds up to allow God to use and to speak to us. It doesn't control what he does, but it allows us to do what God wants us to do. I hope that you're with me today. So let's pray as we talk about prayer. Are you ready? Are you with me? Let's do this. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you our, as sons and as daughters. And maybe even some of us that are watching, maybe we are strangers. Of course, Lord, I believe that no one is a stranger to you. But we might not know you yet. And for those of us watching today, for those of us listening, Lord, if they don't know you yet, if they feel like a stranger or an outsider, I pray you'd open the doors and let them in. Lord, that... Lord, we know that you've extended your hand. Lord, I believe that you have opened the door. But I pray, O oh Lord, that the gateways would be open and it would be clear that there's an invitation for, no, for us to no longer be strangers, but to be a part of the family. So help us in these next few moments to remember that we belong to you, O oh God, that we belong together as a church family, and that you've called us not for ordinary things, but to do and to live in the extraordinary. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, or you have a Bible on your phone, you can just get it ready and head over to Acts chapter 4. Don't start reading yet. We're going to get there real soon. But I want to know, and you can raise your hand in the comments or just put it out there, how many of you have ever prayed anything before in your life? Just go ahead and raise a hand and put it out there. Write in the comments, I've prayed. Just hit the like button, whatever. Just let us know that you are hearing what I'm saying. That, hey, I have prayed before. Now, how many would raise your hand and say, for those that, sorry, for those that did raise their hand, how many would say, you know, I want to learn how to pray a little bit more because I want to experience a little bit more of God's presence. I, you know, I want to spend more time praying so that I can understand more about who God is. Okay, I want to put those hands up. I would wager that for, for most of us who put our hand up in the first group, I would say that most, if not all of us, put our hand up in the second group, saying, yeah, I want to experience the closeness and the presence in the person of God a little bit more. I would wager that most of us would pray that way. Now, let me also ask you this question. If, you were, if I were to ask you if you were good at praying, what would your answer be? Hey, if I were to ask you, are you good at praying? What would your answer be? Let me know in the comments below. And this is going to open yourself up to a little bit of a vulnerability. And that's okay. We can be family today, right? We're not looking down because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Well, maybe there is a wrong way to pray. I don't think there's really a wrong way. But maybe there are different things that we can do, different things that we can say that will help us become better at praying. And actually, that's really a poor way to put it. It's not about becoming better at praying. It's not about using fancy words. It's not about using lots of words like I tend to do. That's, you know, why, why say a lot when a little will do? 
that's something that I should write on my wall, my bulletin board, put in front of me often. Um, Why well, use more words than necessary? Uh, because it's not about the amount of words. A lot of it comes down to the sincerity and the genuineness of our heart. And what is it that we're willing to actually say to God that matters? All right. Here's one thing that we can probably notice, that when we pray, we tend to pray safe prayers. What do you mean by that, Pastor Gary? Well, I, I think we tend to pray, you know, if I were to ask you, do you pray before your meals? Maybe as a family around the dinner table, you pray before you eat. Uh, maybe you pray at every meal. I'll, you know, I'll always remember sitting in a, in a restaurant, we were on vacation, and our food came, and we as a family, we, we, we sat around this beautiful table. With this, I mean, it was one of the best meals of my life. Um, we sat there, and we paused. And it was pretty obvious to the rest of the restaurant that we had been pausing to pray. Not that we made a big deal about it. We just grabbed our kids' hands, we sat around the table, and we prayed and gave thanks to God for our food, and then we began to eat. And I'll never forget, you know, it wasn't, we didn't even make a big deal. We weren't trying to make a statement. It's just, it's what we did as a family. We expressed our gratitude to God to have this nice meal before us, to have this nice vacation together, this nice break together as a family. And I'll never forget uh, this older couple, as they were leaving the restaurant, uh, a few moments later, they stopped at our table, complete strangers, and they just expressed to us how encouraged they were and inspired they were watching this young family pray in public before they consumed their food. To us, it really wasn't that big of a deal, but it had such an amazing impact, far beyond we ever thought or imagined. And we brought a smile to their face, and I'm sure we brought a smile to the Lord's face. Again, that wasn't the point of our prayer in the moment, but the fact that we did it, the fact that we were consistent, the fact that we were faithful in our beliefs, in our gratitude towards Jesus, made a small difference in the life of somebody else. But lots of times that's how we pray and that's where our prayer life ends. Pray before a meal, after meal. Uh, we got exam time coming up for our high school students, right? And so you can just imagine them sitting at home at the exam table or how are they going to do it? And, 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 you know, praying, oh God, give me the answers. Let me know. If, if you only just help me on this test, oh God, you'll get me through. Well, let me give you a hint now, students. Study before the exam, not after. Pray, pray before the exam, not during, okay? That's uh, your free tip for the day. But lots of times you pray these prayers. And let me just pause. There's nothing wrong with these prayers, but I think God wants us to take a little bit of a bolder step than this. But oftentimes we pray, okay, Lord, keep us safe as we go. We pray for that hedge of protection. Uh, God, please be with us. We want to feel your presence. And you've heard Pastor Gary pray that way. And of course, we pray, oh, Lord, would you bless us? Now, of course, we want to pray these kinds of prayers. All right, there's nothing wrong with these kinds of prayers. Nothing selfish about it, but very important. But lots of times, that's where our prayers stop. But God has called us to live beyond those simple, safe prayers. Now, God has called us to pray a little bit deeper. He actually wants us to pray dangerous prayers. All right, what does he mean by a dangerous prayer? Well, following Jesus was never meant to be safe. Now, I'm not telling you to go put yourself in harm's way on purpose. Don't go stand in the middle of the railroad tracks. Don't go stand in the middle of the highway in the fog at night. But following Jesus was never meant to be safe. And so we head over to Acts 4. 
and we see some incredible things taking place in the early church. We see Peter and John are preaching in the temple courts. So back it up a little bit. They've just performed a miracle in the name of Jesus. Who is, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. And people have taken notice. They're noticing something has happened. This man who used to be able to, used to sit there, was not able to walk, was now able to walk and be free and to live his life. And so it stirred up a lot of questions. And so Peter and John are preaching about Jesus who lived and who died on a cross, who was raised again and has now brought new life and has brought a new way of living. And they prayed over a man, and he was miraculously healed. Now, it caught the attention of the priests, the Sadducees. It caught the attention of the captain of the temple guards. It, it, it caught the attention of all these important people. And they didn't understand what was going on. And you can read here in Acts chapter 4, it says, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple, of guards, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. Remember, this is the early stages of the church. The church is just starting to boom. Christianity is just getting started. And by this point, there's already 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. Of course, the day of Pentecost we talked about a few weeks ago, 3,000 men in that moment became followers and disciples of Jesus. All right, this is what it says. The next day, the council of the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. And so here we are, we have Paul, or Paul, we got Peter and John, they're preaching, they're in Jerusalem, and they just spent the, the, the night in jail. And if you've ever spent a night in jail, it's probably not your idea of a good time, all right? And so they get questioned by the Sanhedrin. They get questioned by the religious leaders. They get questioned by the Sadducees. And they say to these men, Peter and John, by what authority... Do you preach these things? By what authority do you have to perform these kinds of miracles? And we have an amazing response, an incredibly bold response from Peter and John. And you find that here in Acts 4.10. And read this closely today, Acts 4, verse 10. This is what they say. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel... That, was, that he was healed, so the man that they prayed for and healed, let me clearly state to you, all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, or Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. All right? For the one you crucified and the one that God raised from the dead. Now, this is a very powerful, bold statement. They are now not operating. Remember, there's religious leaders that are present, and there's also government leaders present. And so the authority of the name meant something. 
So you had the authority of the high priest, authority of the chief priest, but you also had the government authorities. And so the, 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 the temple soldiers, guards that were there, they answered to the authority of the priests and the Sadducees and religious leaders. And so they said, well, what authority do you have to raise this man from the dead? And they said, the power and authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They didn't have the authority from the temple priests. They didn't have authority from the Sadducees. They didn't even have authority from Caesar himself. They had the authority between the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And not only that, it gets better. Where does the boldness come from? It says they, that God raised from the dead. Now, they're talking to the Sadducees, who are a branch of religious leaders at the time. And the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so you can imagine these two men of God standing before these powerful leaders, declaring war on them. All right, put yourself in their shoes for a minute. And, and put yourself, pretend that uh, the OPP come to your house and they hear that you have been praying in Jesus' name and they take you in front of uh, a judge, maybe you go to a Thunder Bay courthouse or something like that. And they say, what power authority do you have? And you stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, I have the authority and the power to raise this from the dead. And by the way, it was you that put him to death. It's your fault. But even though you did that, God raised him from the dead. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so in this moment, it was as if they had declared war on the Sadducees. Because now they are operating outside of the realm of what the religious leaders had known. In this moment, they realized that they don't have any power or control over these men anymore because they're not operating under their authority. Now they're operating under the authority of God himself, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, what we see here is quite interesting. So they're in a dilemma as these religious leaders. You know, they see that something miraculous has taken place. This guy that could not walk could now walk. So something spiritual, something supernatural has taken place, a miracle. And they're just standing there and they've got to say, we have to stop these guys because we are getting threatened. And so this is what they say to them. They say, don't preach Jesus. They flog them, they beat them, and you could be put to death if you continue, because they're threatened. And this is what I find absolutely amazing. Read verse 14 of Acts chapter 4. This is what it says. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Just highlight that word bold for a minute. Remember that word boldness. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, years ago, I was in Bible college. I preached a message titled, How Are You Recognized? And the bottom line is, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, the people around you should notice. Now, it's really easy for me, right? Because 
I meet someone for the first time. Hi, I'm Gary. How are you? And I'm so and so. Oh, what do you do? Well, what's your career? What do you do for a living? Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Oh, what do you do? Well, I am a pastor of a church on the North Shore in Terrace Bay. So instantly people know that I'm a pastor. And they meet my wife at work and they go, oh, you know, I'm Elizabeth. And how do you get talking? And so what does your husband do? Well, he's a pastor at the church. Well, instantly people know from my title that I am a follower of Jesus. But let me tell you something today that that means absolutely nothing if my life does not reflect, if my actions do not reflect, if my words do not reflect the living hope that Jesus brings. Okay, did you pick up on that? My title does not matter if my actions, my words, and, do, and my life do not reflect that I walk closely with Jesus. Because if it doesn't, I've got some serious problems that i got to work through. But it says that they were amazed when they saw the boldness of these men. Remember, they're practically declaring war on them. And that spoke to the religious leaders. That actually made them listen and pay attention. They didn't just try to hide. They didn't try to apologize for, for ruffling a few feathers. They didn't try to uh, make light of the situation and, and anything like that. They really talked and they spoke with boldness. And they were amazed. And they were also amazed because they recognized that these were ordinary, untrained men. Yet, even though they didn't spend their lives studying scripture... They were living out and acting out the, the, the purpose and the meaning that the scriptures brought. All right. And so they have this dilemma. They don't like it because they're threatened, but they have some level of respect for their boldness. And they recognize that there is something in the lives of these men that matters. And so they say, you know what? We, we kind of like you. Stop what you're doing because it threatens us. Uh, we're going to flog you. We're going to beat you. And if you continue, we might put you to death. And so here's what happens. They go and they get put back in jail and everything else. They don't pray, God, keep us safe. They don't, they don't pray, protect us. They don't say, make us comfy, make us safe, make us trouble free. Because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. Look what happened to Jesus for trying to change the world. Look at what happened to Jesus. He was crucified. Now we know that scriptures foretold that it would happen. We know that he came to die for us. That's why it happened. But it happened because he was willing to change the status quo. He was willing to change and do whatever it took to change the world for the better. To heal the land. To heal the brokenness that we feel. And the disciples recognized the sacrifice that Jesus made. And so they take this bold step. And they are, they are willing to do whatever it takes because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. So let's, let's, let's look it up here. So they know that they're not ready to be safe. And we know that from these next words that they speak in 4 verse 29. It says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. All right? And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, 
Big key word there is servants. All right, they're here to serve the kingdom of God. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. They didn't pray, God, keep us safe. Safe. They didn't pray, Lord, protect us, heal us. They said, make us bold. They took a step of faith and said, make us bold. They had unshakable spiritual convictions, unmovable spiritual convictions. That there are people that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There are people that need to hear that there is hope in the darkness. There is people that are hurting, that are broken, that are sick, that need to be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, make us bold. There is a spiritual urgency that takes place here, no matter the cost. You know, if you were to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10... Um, how amazed, uh, sorry, let me see. How amazed are people at your boldness on a scale of one to 10? Let's ask that question. How do people perceive your boldness? If you were to write it down, I, I would think that some of you, it might be higher than you think it is, but at the same time, we may actually need to take a few steps of faith. You know, I said, how are you recognized? Do people know that you're a follower of Jesus? Because some of us, we go around and act like everybody else. We look like everybody else. Now, we're not going to try to look weird. We're not going to try to look different on purpose. But do people know from your, from your life, from your actions, your words, your deeds, do people know that you're a follower of Jesus? Do they know you're a follower of Jesus because of your boldness? Because I tell you what, when you follow Jesus, it might actually make a few people uncomfortable. It, it might actually make a few people uncomfortable. I'll never forget, as a young child... I did not have a problem with boldness. When we started going to church, I wanted the whole world to know that Jesus was real. And so here's what I did. I, I would put on my snowsuit because it was winter time. And we lived in a townhouse with a parking lot. And so the snowplow would come and it would pile up this huge pile of snow. And I would stand on top of that snow hill and I would bell to the top of my lungs. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I'd sing it up. Summertime would come along, I'd borrow the neighbor's wagon, I'd take my stereo boombox and put my kid's Christian tape cassette inside of it. And for those of you that are young, basically it's like taking a Bluetooth speaker in your phone. Okay, that's the equivalent today. I'd put it in the wagon and I'd march around the neighborhood with the volume on full blast, playing my kid's praise tape. Don't worry, they knew that I was a follower of Jesus when I was a kid. And I got into high school. Things didn't change too much. We started a band. Now we had a lot of fun in a band. We weren't that good, but we weren't that bad some of the time. And we would play Christian songs. We'd write our own songs. And in some way, shape, or form, it would get the message across that we were followers of Jesus. But how many people know that you are a follower of Jesus? If you're watching today and you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I follow him. How many people in your life know it? Now, this isn't a message of condemnation. This isn't a, but this is a challenge that I'm challenged with. Aside from my title, do people really know that I'm a Christian? You know, it says that they'll know you're Christians by your love. Do people experience the presence of God, the love of Jesus when I interact with them? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. There's room for improvement. 
but do people know? Now, do people know that you're a disciple of the one who saved the world? Now, let's look at this word boldness for a minute. Because I don't want you to get confused. Because some of us would go, you know, I've never been a bold person, Pastor Gary. In fact, I'm kind of a quiet, soft-spoken, like don't ruffle too many feathers kind of person. Remember that these were ordinary men. In fact, Peter himself was a fisherman. He didn't speak to people. He didn't speak to the crowds. He had a loud mouth. He had a big voice. But he was not one that was educated in the ways of Scripture throughout his whole life. He was not qualified by those standards to be able to have the authority and the ability to speak to people the way that he does after following Jesus. In the biblical sense, boldness, and this is good news for all of us, boldness is not a personality trait. You know what's really cool about the ordinary men? Uh, verse that we read a few minutes ago, it's kind of cool, it's actually kind of funny, is... Um, is that the Greek word is idiotes, I-D-I-O-T-S, idiotes. In other words, uh, they were amazed by the boldness of the idiots, okay? I know that sounds a little bit mean, a little bit harsh, but they were amazed at the boldness of the idiots. Of course, more accurately translated, average, ordinary, maybe uneducated people. But how ironic, these two idiots standing before us telling us that they have authority in Jesus. That is just, that. just let that sink in. That's how these men were viewed. They were viewed as, as idiots, as nothing, as, as peasants, so to speak. And I think so many times you and I, we probably feel this. We feel insecure. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we're unworthy. And yet, when we become followers of Jesus, you and I are given this great commission, this great commission. And Jesus has sent us out to be his witnesses. And he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. He has given us boldness. As an idiot standing here before you, he has given us boldness to speak the good news of Jesus Christ. As average, ordinary, everyday people, God is giving you boldness in the name of Jesus to do the impossible. You know, maybe you're normally timid, introverts, introverted. I mean, we can use all of these personalities to make excuses, but the reality is, the prayer is, give us your servants great boldness in preaching the word of God. Give us great boldness, regardless of my background, regardless of my gender, regardless of my social standing, regardless of my education. Give us boldness to preach the word of God. Now hear their threats. Lord, you hear the words that they are speaking. Give us your servants the boldness. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miracles, signs, and wonders be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it says, this is really cool, after they prayed that prayer, it says, after they prayed this prayer, the meeting place where they were shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So they prayed for boldness. God showed up with his Holy Spirit and they went and did the exact thing they prayed God would allow them to do. They prayed with boldness and the Holy Spirit empowered them. If you pray this way, you may see opportunities where you never saw them before. This is the warning. This is what we call a dangerous prayer. When you ask God to give you boldness, when you say, Lord, open my eyes. 
Lord, give me the strength of your spirit to preach the word. You are going to start to see opportunities that you never saw before. Maybe it's that person that you sit to at the office or you you work alongside as you walk down the hallway at work. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's this person you see at the the checkout line, wherever you happen to be. You see them regularly every day. And maybe that one day you're going to see them in a different light. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's going to inspire you to say something, to offer to pray for them, to, to listen to what they have to say. I had one of these moments the other night getting ice cream. I'm not going to go into the details just for you know privacy's sake, because if I say what it is, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. And I don't have the permission to share the story. But you never know when the Holy Spirit is going to inspire you to say the simplest of phrase, tell me more about that. Ask more questions. You never know how the Holy Spirit's going to. This is exactly the moment I had the other night. And I, I was this close. I was this close to an opportunity to begin to pray for a miracle. And the person changed the subject of the conversation because they weren't ready yet. I believe that we're going to go from here to here really quick with that person. I'm praying that I'm just going to have to go buy more food and treats and stuff. But I believe we're going to have another opportunity to close that gap and see God perform a miracle. We're going to see opportunities that we never saw before. God, make me bold. Let me experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me preach in ways that I've never preached before. I'm not talking about laying the hammer down and condemn people and those kind of preach the good news. Share the good news of Jesus. There's different ways of being bold. How we live our life reflects Jesus. That's a bold statement in and of itself. How we talk. Maybe you're sitting in a room and the, and the conversation turns wild. It gets full of gossip, full of slander, or start talking about somebody else. and or, or maybe just the language in the room is really unpleasant. And maybe your moment of boldness is to say, hey, you know, we can do better than that. You know, we can do better than that. You don't have to handle it. Finally, there's commotion starting, right? 5,000 people, there's something that starts to stir. Rome starts to get involved. And so this is what it says in Acts 5, 18 to 20. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. So they've been in jail once, the second time they go to jail. Phenomenal moment in the story. They get put into jail, but an angel of the Lord came at night and the gates of the jail and unlocked the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. You can find that in Acts 5, 18 to 20. What is amazing about the author of this book of Acts in this moment, it doesn't give us a lot of information. There's no exclamation point. There's no fancy like, wow, an angel just happened to show up. Like, wow, that's what an extraordinary, doesn't make a big deal about it at all. All it does is tell the story. That's all Luke does. He says, look, they went to jail again, but an angel came, opened the jail at night, let them out, gave them this message, go and preach the message of life to the people. And and, and this this is what we pay attention to. In that moment, the prison doors are open. We see the crazy miracle take place. And we need to understand this thing about miracles is that when we walk in boldness, when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, things like miracles become normal to us. Having the angel stand behind you, having an angel come and, 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 and release you from these types of situations, they become normal. They don't even be, they, they, not that we don't get excited about them, not that we don't celebrate what God has done through these moments, 
but they become normal everyday experiences for us. You know, it would be nothing to walk into the post office and pray for somebody and have them be healed. Be nothing to have these opportunities to pray for someone and to walk with them or to get a phone call or to make a phone call and be inspired by the Holy Spirit to talk to someone and maybe out of the blue and call them and go, hey, you know, God, I just really felt I needed to call you today. And you offer them some encouragement and pray and, you know, you bring a light to someone's day. It becomes average ordinary when you see God begin to move. It just becomes normal. And that's exactly what's taking place here, is, is Luke does not make a big deal that an angel showed up, unlocked the prison doors, not even a lot of mention to it. What a phenomenal story. I don't think the OPP would be very impressed if they threw me in jail and in the morning came back and I was gone because an angel let me out. That would be a really big deal. All right. But Luke here is like, Eh, whatever. Kind of just a normal, average, ordinary, everyday experience when you're walking in boldness with the Holy Spirit. Wow. If that doesn't share you're a follower of Jesus, if that doesn't make a bold statement in and of itself, that just shows you the level of faith that they had. They lived in the expectation that as they prayed for boldness, they lived in the expectation that God would move. Did you pick up on that? When you pray with boldness and you pray for boldness and you walk in boldness, not something that's a personality trait, but something that's inspired and gifted from the Holy Spirit, we can live in the expectation that God is going to move. Are you with me today? You can put that in the comments. Praying bold prayers or praying for boldness helps me live with the expectation God is going to move. That's really a lot to put in a comment. Don't worry about it. But it's true. All right, final things here today. Here's three things that you got to know. This all sounds really good, okay? But here's, here's the reality. Boldness, boldest, boldness almost always inspires or triggers spiritual opposition. Did you catch that? Boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. All right, they were arrested and this time by the Roman officials, and they were put in a public jail, all right? Now, Caesar really wasn't the enemy, but there was opposition because the spirit was at work, which means that there was a spiritual opposition, and Caesar happened to be the tool used by the spirits of darkness. They were arrested, put in prison for the second time, now, they could have been in prison and they could have asked, where are you, God? What are you doing? I pray that you'd keep me safe. I pray that you would protect me. No, they prayed, God, give us boldness. They pray, as your servants, make us bold. You know, it might mean that we don't go to jail, especially in Canada. That would be a really intense story. But praying a bold prayer here and standing up for our faith might mean people look at us a little bit funny. They might mean that we are left out of, of conversations, that we are left behind, that we are ridiculed, maybe even laughed at, maybe even shrugged off. Oh yeah, they're just one of those Jesus people. They're just one of those Christians. They're just, oh yeah, they go to North Shore Church. That, you know, par for the course over there. Just let them be, right? And, and, and that hurts sometimes. That's hard to, to, to deal with feeling left out, feeling different. But praise God that the Holy Spirit has made us bold. It's not always easy. But if you're not ready to face the opposition, 
for your obedience to God. My question to myself, my question to us is, or my statement rather is, if we're not ready to face the opposition for standing up with God, then are we ready to be used by God? If we're not ready to face opposition for our obedience to God, are we ready to be used by God? I pray, Lord, make me ready. Before you make me bold, make me ready. <laughs> Number two, boldness often releases God's miracles. We just read about that a moment ago. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. The boldness often releases God's miracles. You know, when you walk in obedience to God, we, we, we will no longer be surprised to become a way of life. We will no longer be surprised that God works the way God works. Finally today, boldness always requires faith. Boldness always requires faith. You finish reading the story in Acts 5. It says, go to the temple, give the people the message of life. So at daybreak, this is what they did. The apostles entered the temple as they were told by the angel on the authority of God. Remember, they were told, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop performing miracles. We're going to beat you again and we might even put you to death. What do they do? The angel says, go give people the message of life. And so the daybreak, they enter the temple courts again. And they immediately, they didn't wait. They didn't pray, God, keep us safe. God, protect us. Immediately they went and they began teaching. Boldness always requires faith. You know, I said it's not going to be one of those really happy, good ending stories. You know, we don't see that Peter and John, we didn't see them become famous, marry their high school sweethearts, get really good paying jobs, sell the business, and retire on some island, tropical island somewhere, live happily ever after. No, you know what happened to John? He got dipped into oil, hot boiling oil, and he's one of the very few people that survived. And then once he lives through that, they say, oh, we thought you'd die. He lives. They exiled him. They excommunicated him, and they put him on the island of Patmos to live out the rest of his life. Peter, as, as scholars tell us and as the research tells us, he ends up going all the way to Rome, and he faces trial, and he gets sentenced to death, a death of crucifixion on a cross, just like Jesus. But Peter says, I am not worthy to die like Jesus, and so they crucified him upside down. You want to talk about being a servant and asking God for boldness. The world tells us to go for your happily ever after. For, for these men, their happily ever after was the honor to die in Jesus' name. I'm not telling you that that's what's going to happen, but having the same heart and attitude as mindset as Peter and John, as we pray these prayers of boldness, they help us wrap our mind around the possibilities of what God can do when we pray dangerous prayers. When we think about what Jesus has done for us, it's really hard to keep it to ourselves. Because what he did for me, what he did for you, he did for every one of us who has breath in our lungs. He did that for everyone who has breath in our lungs that has gone before us. And he did it for everyone who has breath in their lungs who will come after us. 
When we finally realize what Jesus has done for us, it's hard to keep it to ourselves. Jesus never called us to be in a comfort zone. He called us to go and make disciples, to be his witnesses. So are you ready today to pray a prayer of boldness? Are you ready today to stand before the religious leaders? Are you ready today to stand before your coworkers? Are you ready today to stand before the Lord as your servants? Give us great boldness to preach your word, period. It's a simple prayer, but it's deep, it's powerful, it's meaningful, and it opens our eyes up to a world of beautiful possibilities. If you are ready to take that step of faith today, I want to encourage you to take the next few minutes or put in your calendar a time this week when you can just begin to reflect on the good things of who God is. And in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the next step of a dangerous prayer. And then we're going to wrap up this series at the end of the month, the last Sunday of the month. And we're going to ask God to reveal to us the broken things that are unseen in our lives, the brokenness in this world. We're going to ask God to reveal those things to us. But for this moment, are we ready to pray a dangerous prayer for boldness, inspired by the Holy Spirit? Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that God would use you mightily in the days, weeks, months, and years to come.